Hello and welcome back to this week's Influencer Marketing Talks brought to you by Cure Media, one of the leading influencer marketing agencies for high street fashion, home and beauty brands. As ever, I am Holly Morin. And I am Frida Ekholm. And as usual, we're going to be sharing with you all of the important trends and tactics in consumer marketing in the digital age. And we're going to try to do it in right around 15 minutes. So what are we talking about today, Holly? We are talking about the fact that while you can get stunning visuals and you can have winning creative concepts, you you can make a really beautiful campaign, and that's really going to catch shoppers' eyes on social media, we're talking about the fact that the real secret to taking your influencer marketing activities to the next level is actually just being data-driven. And if you've listened to our podcast before, you know this is not the first time we're going to be talking about that, because it's, but it, we, we keep going back because it's really important. So in this episode, we're going to cover what it means to work within influence marketing in a data-driven way and how that can amplify your strategy in the channel. That's a great presentation, Holly. So (laughs) let's start with uh, the main question, I would say. What is data-driven influence marketing? Can we sum it up in the beginning and then we'll do it again in the end? (laughs) Big question. So I think for us at Cure Media... Data-driven influence marketing is all about using historical and real-time data. So it's that combination and it's using it throughout the kind of the planning, throughout the activation, and even into the follow-up stages of influencer activities to really optimize the campaigns you have going right now and the campaigns you're going to run in the future. So one of the primary reasons that brands get a bit nervous about using data, about being data-driven within influence marketing is the perception of cost, right? So, so unlike other digital channels such as um, I know display, uh, SEM, influence marketing requires a pretty substantial and, and long-term investment in influencers and content if you want to be effective and if you want to be data-driven. Yeah, and data-driven influence marketing is worth the investment, we promise. <laughs> However, as it will make it infinitely easier to improve the channel over time and generate a greater ROI, so... Worth it. I think one of the kind of fundamental parts of, of having a data-driven strategy, um, making sure that's guiding how you operate in the channel, is choosing the right influences. So this means... Being data-driven starts at this stage, you know, so using data at this stage, the planning process should be obvious. Like, I think there's probably not many brands, not many agencies that would say, oh, we, you know, we're not data-driven when we pick influencers, we just pluck them out of thin air. But there's still that, I think because it's such an aesthetic channel, there's still that risk that people will be misled by that. You know, they'll see a pretty feed and be like, yes, that's what we need. But actually, you need to start with the data-driven strategy there. If you take um, paid social ads, for example, you use an ads manager, you choose your target group, you make sure that you're reaching the correct audience, the audience that you need to speak to. And it would feel crazy to go in and just buy ads without that targeting. <laughs> just make it a pretty, a pretty yeah, ad. <laughs> it's pretty. You know? <laughs> who cares who it's reaching? At least it looks good. Um, but the same goes for influence marketing. 
And I think that's something that's really easy to lose track of even now, you know, even now when the channel is a bit more established. But if you use data and you use that to guide the influencers you pick, then you need to go deeper than vanity metrics. You need to go deeper than the pretty feed. You need to go deeper than the number of likes they're getting. As even that kind of seemingly quite straightforward information um, can be a bit, bit misleading. And even if you go into things like uh, an influencer's location, influencer's age, that's still not going deep enough, you know? Yeah, and a good example that really, uh, if you want to remember this, uh, to always look at the data and the target audience, it's, for example, if you want to reach a millennial woman in the southern Germany, you may assume that this uh, woman or man, uh, a 30-year-old influencer based in Munich, I think I pronounced that right. Let's yeah. see, our German <laughs> listeners, is a good fit for your campaign. But once you look further into uh, this person's profile with the help of an influencer tool, for example, you would find maybe that 80% of his or her followers are actually located in, let's say, Brazil. Mm -hmm. This is why prioritizing data over vanity metrics is a critical component to succeeding with your influencer activation. And with data on your side, you will be able to to get uh, to spot the fake followers and identify accounts with a genuine influence on your target audience instead. So true. And actually, when you talk about um, you know those kind of metrics that can mislead you, another metric to keep in mind and to consider when choosing influencers is true reach. Because I think most of us assume that the more followers an influencer has, the more people that are watching their feed, the more, the bigger your audience is going to be, the more people that are going to see your sponsored content and be exposed to your brand. And that sounds great on the face of it. Obviously, you want that. The truth, though, is that an influencer's estimated or potential reach doesn't always align with their true reach. You know, they can have the biggest audience, but it doesn't actually correlate all the time to how many people are going to see your content. By using a data-driven influencer tool, you might look at an influencer with 100,000 followers and then find that actually their true reach is about 10% that. You know, they're only actually reaching 10,000 views per post. But you, on the other hand, could have an influencer that has half the amount of followers, you know, they look much smaller on the face of it, but their true reach is 80%. So they have 40,000 views per post. With the help of, of data in that scenario, you would be able to choose the influencer that actually, you know, raise brand awareness, spread um, your message much more effectively than just going for the biggest influencer. So the benefit of a data-driven approach when selecting influencers are that you can engage with as many people as possible within your target audience and make basically the most out of your investment. So it's not like more rocket science than that in the end. <laughs> and uh, with that being said, using data to identify influencers is not enough to be considered data-driven. Important. Mm -hmm. This is only one piece of a quite big puzzle that is still that is growing still yeah always and it's, you know, it's an important piece but I think um even when people are being data driven it's very easy to go okay we use data at the beginning we set ourselves up for the best therefore we're done but a real another really important part of the data driven strategy is optimization so 
when you work with influence marketing and you know you're ticking boxes you're doing it in that always on manner the way that we always tell our our clients and then anyone who listens to the podcast you have to work you do it over a long period of time you're sustained you don't have to wait until the end of a quote-unquote campaign to improve your results you know you don't have to get to the end and be like okay where did we go wrong instead by being always on by being data-driven you can optimize fine-tune as you go so during that optimization optimization stage Data can really help guide you. It can answer questions like um, which content formats are excelling. It can show you whether your influencer roster could be tweaked. You know, are some people just not performing like you expected them? Great, pull them, you know, replace them with a better influencer, with a, with a more higher performing influencer. It's all about looking for opportunities to optimize your activities to ensure, like you said, Frida, the greatest return. Make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one way to optimize your outcomes like this is using lookalike audiences. Mm-hmm. And this can be accomplished, uh, for example, through an AI-powered tool that identifies influencers that are similar to those who are performing well for your brand. So uh, keep in mind that this is uh, you're using basically historical data Um Therefore, you need to work long, long, uh, long term, always on also. <laughs> and this is an important step in optimization as it ensures you get the most out of your influencer marketing investment. Because without data to optimize your campaign at this stage, your brand would be stuck working with influencers that are maybe a poor brand fit or are underperforming, like maybe without any obvious reasons. Um, maybe yeah. more than it doesn't lay well at the, their audience. Yeah, and and you know, this is not to, to toot our own horn, but I think that's why it can be so helpful to work with an established agency or you know an established consultant or whoever has that um, back catalogue of data. Because if you're coming fresh to the channel, then you won't have historical data to inform you. You're going to have to start from scratch. Um, whereas obviously, like we've been around a while (laughs) (laughs) yes we have an eye on the channel that's and and you know not just us any agency that's been established for a long time we obviously think we do better but (laughs) any agency that's been around a long time any team that's been around a long time will have that back cataloging of information informing your campaign and when you're using that data you are going to be able to collaborate with increasingly better fit influencers so obviously each campaign you're starting, you are starting from scratch to some extent, even if you have historical data informing you. But as you move along, as you you know commit to the channel, the longer you're in it, you're going to really be able to fine tune um, the influence you're choosing. And if you have a tool that is able to draw on historical data, then the more data you have at hand, the better chance you have of identifying those high-performing influencers. And even beyond that, I think there's something that's important. Optimizing your influencer marketing activities doesn't just include identifying new profiles to work with, but also kind of building the relationships with the influencers you are already working with. So working with influencers over a long period of time gives them the chance to steadily also improve their content, get to know your brand, and also build trust with your aka their target audience and this 
relieves a lot of your marketing team's workload as you can trust these influencers to deliver high quality content with little oversight on your part. And at its core, influence marketing is no different from other digital channels when it comes to optimization. So that's important to remember. It's so true because I think, you know, people do think of influence marketing as it's a bit of a wild west of the marketing channels. You know, people are just like, we're just looking for pretty. If it works, it works. But it's no different. In the same way you would optimize um, a paid search campaign, for example, you would revise your ads, you would, you know, adjust your bidding strategies, you would change your keywords. It's really important to take advantage of the fact that you can, if you are working this always on way, if you are being data driven, continuously tweak, continuously improve your influencer campaigns. Only by taking this long term approach are you going to be really able to understand. Uh, which influence perform best, what content is really landing with your audience, which me- you know, which messages resonate, and what platforms deliver. That's how you're going to be able to build uh, a sustainable reputation, a sustainable performance in this channel. Yeah, definitely. So obviously you've prepped, you've used data to pick your influences, you've worked out what channels are, are the best performing for you. You've been optimizing throughout. What, Frida, comes after the fact? Good question. So once an influencer activation has finished, brands must follow up, of course, and measure the results to assess whether or not the campaign uh, or activation have met their KPIs and to learn what worked well and what didn't work for the next activation. So at this stage of the influence marketing process, you need to take a step back from the last click, especially in the customer journey, to get a more holistic and accurate understanding of what results you've gotten. And the most important question to ask at this stage is, how has influencer marketing affected other channels? Thinking in this manner will show you how the channel impacts others, like organic traffic, search advertising, because... We know that influencer marketing affects a lot of your other channels. Yeah, I mean, you just, it's its kind of common sense, but it does get lost a lot of the time. But you just have to think about how you yourself use, you know, use the internet when you're on your phone. Like if I see um, a cute dress on an influencer, I'm not necessarily clicking on that dress right away. Like I'm opening a tab, I'm saving it for later, you know. I'm busy, I have stuff yeah. to do. <laughs> busy <laughs> woman. I can't always shop for you. <laughs> um, but I think another good way actually to gauge that bigger picture of, of an influencer activation is brand surveys. And these can be used before, they can be after a campaign. And they're a really good way of collecting insight and measuring how factors such as brand awareness and perception and purchase intention have been impacted by that influence marketing campaign you've just run. Yeah. In summary, data is a critical component to succeed with influence marketing. So firstly, by using data-driven influencer tools, you can identify profiles that are guaranteed to resonate with your target audience. Very important. Secondly, and, and I would say maybe the most important part of working with influence marketing is that continuous optimization, optimizing as you go. This is what's going to help you 
improve your results and apply learnings in in real time. Yeah. And finally, the follow-up and measurement stage will help you improve your upcoming activations and give you a good holistic view of your investment and the ROI. And on that note, in 15 minutes, thereabouts, something like that, <laughs> that is probably all we have time for today. Um, thank you so much, Frida, for joining me for this episode. It's been so fun talking to you as always. We have been your hosts, Holly and Frida. If you want to find out more about data-driven influence marketing, you know what to do. Head to our website, www.curemedia.com or give us a follow on basically every social channel at Cure Media. Thank you again for listening and we will see you back here next week for another episode of Influence Marketing Talks.